Chapter 3 of The Great Apostasy by James E. Talmage. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Matthias Whitney. The Great Apostasy by James E. Talmage. Chapter 3 Early Stages of the Apostasy. As shown in the preceding chapter, a general apostasy from the primitive church was both foreseen and foretold. Prophets who lived centuries before the time of Christ predicted the great event, as did also the Savior himself, and the apostles who continued the work of the ministry after his resurrection and ascension. We are now to inquire as to the fulfillment of these predictions. Evidence that the apostasy occurred, as had been predicted, is found in the sacred scriptures and in the records of history other than scriptural. From certain utterances of the early-day apostles, it is made plain to us that the great falling away had begun even while those apostles were living. The preaching of false doctrines and the rise of unauthorized teachers were referred to as conditions then actually existing in the church, and not as remote developments of the distant future. Scarcely had the gospel seed been committed to the soil before the enemy came, and by night sowed tares amongst the wheat, and so intimate was the growth of the two that any attempt to forcibly uproot the weeds would have threatened the life of the grain. Paul recognized the fact that the people amongst whom he labored were losing the faith they had professed, and were becoming victims of the deception practiced by false teachers. In his letter to the churches of Galatia, he wrote, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you, and would pervert the gospel of Christ and then to emphasize the sin of those who thus sought to pervert the gospel of Christ, he continued, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. The context of the passages just quoted shows the nature of the error into which the churches of Galatia were in danger of falling. They were embroiled in a discussion as to whether they were bound by certain requirements of the law of Moses, notably that respecting circumcision. The apostle instructs them to the effect that the gospel of Christ was superior to the law, and that, moreover, they were inconsistent in contending for one item of the law and neglecting the rest. We have here indication of the effort so persisted in even by those who had joined the church to modify and change the simple requirements of the gospel by introducing the elements of Judaism. It must be remembered that even among the apostles some difference of opinion had existed as to the necessity of circumcision, but this had been settled by their prayerful effort to learn the Lord's will in the matter. And those who sought to foment dissension on this or any other matter of authoritative doctrine, were declared to be enemies to the church, seeking to pervert the gospel of Christ. In his second epistle to the church of the Thessalonians, Paul declares that the spirit of iniquity was then already operative. After predicting the rise of the apostate church with its blasphemous assumptions of power, as a condition antecedent to the second coming of Christ, the apostle continued as follows. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. This seemingly obscure expression, he who now letteth will let, may be more readily understood by remembering that in the old style of English, let had the meaning of restrain or hinder. 
The passage, therefore, may be understood as a declaration that the spirit of iniquity was already active, though restrained or hindered for a time, and that later even this restraint would be removed and the evil one would be in power. In the new revised version of the New Testament, this passage is rendered thus. Lawlessness doth already work, and there is one that restraineth now, until he be taken out of the way. Just who or what is referred to as exercising a restraint on the powers of iniquity at that time has given rise to discussion. Some writers hold that the presence of the apostles operated in this way, while others believe that the restraining power of the Roman government is referred to. It is known that the Roman policy was to discountenance religious contention, and to allow a large measure of liberty in forms of worship as long as the gods of Rome were not maligned, nor their shrines dishonored. As Roman supremacy declined, the mystery of iniquity, embodied in the apostate church, operated practically without restraint. The expression, mystery of iniquity, as used by Paul, is significant. Prominent among the early perverters of the Christian faith were those who assailed its simplicity and lack of exclusiveness. This simplicity was so different from the mysteries of Judaism and the mysterious rites of heathen idolatry as to be disappointing to many and the earliest changes in the Christian form of worship were marked by the introduction of mystic ceremonies. Paul's zeal as a missionary and a proselyter is abundantly shown in Scripture. He was equally zealous in seeking to maintain the faith of those who had accepted the truth. The Pauline epistles abound in admonitions and pleadings against the increasing influence of false doctrine, and in expressions of sorrow over the growth of apostasy in the church. His words addressed to Timothy are both emphatic and pathetic. Hold fast to the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me, in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. An excellent summary of important utterances by the Apostle Paul relating to the beginning of the apostasy as a fact in the early apostolic age, has been made by one of the latter-day apostles, Orson Pratt. He writes as follows, The great apostasy of the Christian church commenced in the first century, while there was yet inspired apostles and prophets in their midst. Hence Paul, just previous to his martyrdom, enumerates a great number who had made shipwreck of their faith, and turned aside unto vain jangling, teaching that the resurrection was already past, giving heed to fables and endless genealogies, doubting about questions and strives of words, whereof came envyings, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. This apostasy had become so general that Paul declares to Timothy that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. And again he says, At my first answer no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. He further says that there are many unruly and vain talkers, deceivers, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lookers' sake. These apostates, no doubt, pretended to be very righteous, for, says the apostle, they profess that they know God, but in words they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Jude admonished the saints to be on their guard against men who were in the service of Satan, seeking to corrupt the church, addressing himself to them that are sanctified by God, the faithful, and preserved in Jesus Christ, he said, 
it was needful for me to write unto you, and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God, and our Lord Jesus Christ. It is plain that Jude considered the faith which was once delivered unto the saints as in danger, and he urges the faithful to contend for it and openly defend it. He reminds the saints that they had been told there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts, and adds, These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. Clearly he is referring to the apostates of the time, who, because of sensual appetites and lustful desires, had separated themselves from the church. During the banishment of John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos, when nearly all the apostles had been taken from the earth, many of them having suffered martyrdom, the apostasy was so widespread that only seven churches, i.e. branches of the church, remained in such condition as to be considered deserving of the special communication John was instructed to give. In a marvelous vision he beheld the seven churches typified by seven golden candlesticks, with seven stars representing the presiding officers of the several churches, and in the midst of the golden candlesticks, with the stars in his hand, stood one like unto the Son of Man. The church at Ephesus was approved for its good works, specifically for its rejection of the Nicolaitan heresies. Nevertheless, reproof was administered for disaffection and neglect. Thus, Thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. To the church at Pergamos, John was commanded to write, denouncing the false doctrines and certain sects of teachers. Which thing I hate, said the Lord. The church of Laodiceans was denounced as lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, and as priding itself as rich and not in need, whereas it was in reality wretched and miserable, and poor and blind and naked. The foregoing scriptures are ample as proof that even before the ancient apostles had finished their earthly ministry, apostasy was growing apace. The testimony of the early Christian fathers who wrote in the period immediately following the passing of the apostles is to the same effect. According to the generally accepted chronology, the prophetic message of John the Revelator to the churches of Asia was given in the last years of the first century. Among the historians of that period, whose writings are not regarded as canonical or scriptural, but which are nevertheless accepted as genuine and reliable, was Hegesippus, who flourished nearest the days of the apostles. Writing of the conditions marking the close of the first century and the beginning of the second, Asubius cites the testimony of the earlier writer as follows. The same author, Hegesippus, relating the events of the times, also says, that the church continued until then as a pure and uncorrupt virgin, whilst if there were any at all that attempted to pervert the sound of doctrine of the saving gospel, they were yet skulking in dark retreats. But when the sacred choir of apostles became extinct, and the generation of those that had been privileged to hear their inspired wisdom had passed away, then also the combinations of impious error arose by the fraud and delusions of false teachers. These also as there were none of the apostles left, henceforth attempted, 
without shame to preach their false doctrine against the gospel of truth such is the statement of hegesippus there can be little doubt that the false teachers referred to in the testimony last cited were professed adherents of the church and not outside opponents inasmuch as they were restrained by the influence and authority of the apostles and waited the passing of the authorized leaders as an opportunity to corrupt the church by evil teachings a later writer commenting on the schisms and dissensions by which the church was rent in the later part of the first century the period immediately following that of the apostolic ministry says it will easily be imagined that unity and peace could not reign long in the church since it was composed of jews and gentiles who regarded each other with the bitterest aversion besides as the converts to christianity could not extirpate radically the prejudices which had been formed in their minds by education and confirmed by time they brought with them into the bosom of the church more or less of the errors of their former religions thus the seed of discord and controversy were easily sown and could not fail to spring up soon into animosities and dissensions which accordingly broke out and divided the church another recognized authority on ecclesiastical history and one whose avowed purpose was to present the truth respecting the church in its most favorable light is joseph milner author of a comprehensive history of the church of christ he comments on the state of the church at the close of the first century in this wise let us keep in view what that the spirit of the gospel really is the simple faith of christ as the only savior of lost sinners and the effectual influences of the holy ghost in recovering souls altogether depraved by sin these are in the leading ideas when the effusion of the holy ghost first took place these things were taught with power and no sentiments which militated against them could be supported for a moment as through the prevalence of human corruption and the crafts of satan the love of truth was lessened heresies and various abuses of the gospel appeared and in estimating them we may form some idea of the declination of true religion toward the end of the first century the same writer continues yet a gloomy cloud hung over the conclusion of the first century the first impressions made by the effusion of the spirit are generally the strongest and the most decisively distinct from the spirit of the world but human depravity overborne for a time arises afresh particularly in the next generation hence the disorders of schism and heresy their tendency is to destroy the pure work of god the purpose of this chapter has been that of demonstrating the early beginning of the apostasy so soon to become general and later universal the specific causes directly contributing to the degradation of the church are reserved for future consideration the growth of apostasy on the western hemisphere now let us see what was the condition of the church established by the resurrected lord among the descendants of lehi on the american continent in this undertaking we shall not restrict ourselves to the beginning of the disruption alone inasmuch as the course of apostasy among the nephites was so rapid and the period intervening between the establishment of the church and the destruction of the nation was so brief we shall consider the history of the church to its close and thus obviate the necessity of recurring to the subject in later chapters we read that the church had prospered until about two hundred a d then apostasy became general as evidence of which note the following and now in this two hundred and first year there began to be among them those who were lifted up in pride and they began to be divided into classes 
and they began to build up churches unto themselves, to get gain, and began to deny the true church of Christ. And it came to pass that when two hundred and ten years had passed away, there were many churches in the land. Yea, there were many churches which professed to know the Christ, and yet they did deny the more parts of his gospel, insomuch that they did receive all manner of wickedness, and did administer that which was sacred unto him, to whom it had been forbidden because of unworthiness. And this church did multiply exceedingly, because of iniquity, and because of the power of Satan, who did get hold upon their hearts. And again there was another church which denied the Christ, and they did persecute the true church of Christ, because of their humility and their belief in Christ. And they did despise them, because of the many miracles which were wrought among them. The Book of Mormon record is definite in its specifications of the immediate reasons for, or causes of the great apostasy on the Western Hemisphere. While the members of the church remained faithful to their covenants and obligations, they as individuals and the church as an organization prospered, and their enemies were unable to prevail against them. With prosperity, however, came pride and class distinctions. The rich dominated the poor, and earthly gain became the object of life. Secret organizations of evil purpose flourished. The people were divided into two opposing factions, those who still professed a belief in Christ, being known as Nephites, and their enemies as Lamanites, without regard to actual descent or family relationship. With the growth of pride and its attendant sins, the Nephites became as wicked as the non-professing Lamanites, and in their wickedness these people sought each other's destruction. Consider the pathos and dire tragedy expressed in the words of Moroni, the solitary survivor of a once blessed and mighty nation. Behold, four hundred years have passed away since the coming of our Lord and Savior, and behold, the Lamanites have hunted my people, the Nephites, down from city to city, and from place to place, even until they are no more, and great has been their fall. Yea, great and marvelous is the destruction of my people, the Nephites, and behold, it is the hand of the Lord which hath done it. And behold also, the Lamanites are at war one with another, and the whole face of this land is one continual round of murder and bloodshed, and no one knoweth the end of the war. And now behold, I say no more concerning them, for there are none save it be the Lamanites and robbers that do exist upon the face of the land, and there are none that do know the true God, save it be the disciples of Jesus, who did tarry in the land until the wickedness of the people was so great that the Lord would not suffer them to remain with the people, and whether they be upon the face of the land, no man knoweth. End of chapter 3